0: All right. Turn on the microphone here. So, uh, as you've heard, I'm filling the pulpit once again because uh, Pastor Lynn uh, has uh, Acquire a case of shingles. Uh, I have had that uh, dread ailment three times, uh, so I will just leave any further comments unsaid. Uh, <clears throat> but also, let me say once again that you know, when I, I do feel called to uh, delivering a message from uh, the Word of God to the people of God, that it is uh, not my forte. Uh, it's not my thing. Uh, not having attended uh, seminary uh, I just as I said before just a simple country uh, ER doc so being up here is uh, definitely uh, humbling uh, and uh, humbling uh, especially that I'm representing our uh, great God uh, but it must have been providential uh, <clears throat> uh, as uh, some of you know uh, uh Last year, several people asked me to repeat a series of 16 messages that I gave on the names of God as they present themselves to us in Scripture. And that started nearly eight years ago. And then a couple of months ago, those that you were here, I restarted that with the introduction to the names of God. And then we looked at the name Elohim. Uh, If you did miss those messages and you wish to see them, they uh, are available on our church website uh, and uh, on Sermon Audio. So uh, with that as a little intro, if you are able, uh, please uh, take your Bible and uh, stand uh, for the reading of God's Word, the uh, text that we're going to look at today. Turn in uh, Exodus uh, chapter 3, the first uh, 15 verses. Exodus chapter 3, 1 through 15. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, uh, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed." And Moses said I will Moses said I will turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called out called to him out of the bush. Moses Moses he said, "Here I am." Then he said, "Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground." Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, "This Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, the Lord... The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of this, his infallible word. Please uh, do be seated. So as I said the last two times, we looked at an introduction. Uh, more specifically on uh, the importance of knowing God's names. Uh, And then uh, we looked at uh, Elohim. Uh, We learned that names are important, and that in ancient times they often uh, meant more than what they may mean now. Uh, They were more than uh, just what one was called by. Uh, They revealed uh, usually some important information about either the person or the place or whatever the thing uh, might be named. And we saw that most of us have several names to which uh, we uh, respond. Uh, I could be student of friends and relatives, or doctor in a more formal setting, uh, dad to my children, or a sweetie uh, to my wife. Uh, so by the way various uh, names and titles are used, uh, speaks of relationships. You know, because of the depth of God's character uh, he has various names that reflect the many ways that uh, he uh, relates to humanity uh, knowing God's names and knowing them, uh, the real meanings of his names opens the doors for us to more fully uh, know his character and thus allow us ex- to experience his power more deeply we saw that when that God is called Elohim, uh, he is revealing himself as the strong one, the all-powerful one, the God creator. Uh, this name uh, appears um, uh, over 2,500 times uh, in scripture. And we'll later look at uh, the name Adonai, but that appears uh, 300 or so times. And it means, you know, my Lord or sovereign uh, master. Uh, the Lord, in this instance, is not the one that we see with all capital letters. Uh, and we'll come back to that a little bit later. Uh, he is a Yahweh, uh, or some people uh, say Jehovah, uh, nearly 6,800 times. Uh, he uh, And that's the name we will be focusing on today. Uh, he has several other names, El Shaddai, uh, Yahweh Shalom, uh, Yahweh, Repha, Yahweh, uh, Jerah so uh, a number of them. So God has a name for every circumstances, uh, every circumstance and every situation uh, in which we may find ourselves and for uh, every purpose in which we may find Him. Uh, knowing God's names is critical to our comprehension and the application of uh, of the strengths and the victories uh, that come uh, through from his multi-dimensional uh, nature. God wants us to come face to face with his significance uh, and substance. But there are also uh, three main principles that we uh, should know the names of God. We went over these uh, last time. Uh, we are commanded to honor it. We are commanded to fear it, and we are commanded to praise it. God's names are hallowed. Uh, They are to be honored, respected, and treated uh, with the reverence they deserve. When we uh, live in a covenantal uh, relationship with God, we become accountable for reflecting uh, His character. Uh, When we say we are in Christ, we are bearing uh, His name. Uh, Our behavior publicly uh, and privately, reflects upon him. And when we take the name Christian, we must remember that commandment that says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Fearing God's names uh, empowers us to walk in his way and in his truth. Uh, fearing his name uh, is the key to living an abundant life and fulfilling our calling. God's name and subsequently Christ's name, name Christ's name, brings protection and provision. But the key to accessing that protection and provision is to know his character and to esteem and to respect the person behind that name. To fear and revere God's name is to fear and revere God. It is to take him seriously. And then lastly knowing the names of God is simply based on uh, the inherent greatness of his name we are commanded to praise his name. Now, the names of God convey uh, his intrinsic majesty and glory of discovering and experiencing uh, the manifestation of his uh, man- man- manifestation of his names, uh, in our lives, uh, clears us, steers us directly uh, into His presence as our great majestic God, and thus helps us understand how to praise and worship Him more effectively. Now, last time we focused on uh, Elohim, and we found uh, that there is a, a blessing and comfort in understanding uh, this great name. We learned that it signifies. Uh, his supreme power sovereignty and glory on the one hand for thine meaning Elohim uh, is the power and the glory our power and the kingdom and the glory and on the other hand signifies a relationship that he is ever, ever faithful to preserve his creation so now let's uh, turn to the name Yahweh uh, I am Uh, But first, uh, some words about uh, prophets uh, as they're depicted in the Old Testament. They were typically a lonely and rugged uh, individual, a person singled out for God for what could be uh, one or even more uh, rather painful tasks. Uh, These prophets often served as a, a prosecuting attorney of sorts. Uh, they, they often uh, served, uh, they, were, they were often an appointed spokesman of the uh, supreme uh, judge of heaven and earth. Uh, they were there to indict, uh, to bring suit against those who had transgressed, those that had uh, sinned against God. And the prophet is not an earthly philosopher who wrote opinions uh, to be discussed by scholars. They were not playwrights uh, constructing dramas for entertainment. Rather, they were messengers. They were heralds of the cosmic king, of the almighty creator, of the one sovereign over all. And their pronouncements were usually prefaced by four very profound words. Thus says the Lord. You know, often the lives of the prophets... Uh, Read like a history of murders, like a casualty report of war. The prophets' curse was solitude, and their home uh, was often uh, a cave or a nomad tent. And the desert was the traditional meeting place with God, and their songs were composed with tears. Such a prophet was Moses. In uh, Exodus chapter 3, we find Moses struggling with his purpose. Through a series of events, this man, with the promise of a great future, uh, had become a very insecure person. He had literally blown uh, his privileged upbringing by committing a murder. In his mind, he had been defending his blood relatives, the Hebrews, uh, from the, the... Uh, defending them from from the Egyptians, the people uh, who raised him. Uh, But the Hebrews did not identify Moses as one of their own. So when he killed the Egyptian who was attacking a Hebrew, they simply saw it for what it seemed, a violent act of an angry man. Moses was rejected by both groups uh, after this act of bloodshed, and he feared for his own life. Uh, So he fled into the desert and became a shepherd. Uh, Forty years of herding in the land of Midian had reduced the once confident leader uh, to nothing much in his own eyes. So when God appeared in the midst of a burning bush, revealing to Moses and giving him a vision of his destiny to lead the Israelites uh, out of slavery in Egypt, what did Moses do? He balks. He hesitates. He recoils. Uh, after all, this was a very intimidating intimidating encounter and a rather daunting uh, request uh, for a doubtful man. Moses had been doing exactly the opposite of God's request. Uh, for the past uh, several decades, he had been running away from Pharaoh and Egypt rather than running to Pharaoh and Egypt and not setting his goal for the people of Israel. But God did not set Moses free from the wrath of the Egyptians. So that he could be free in the desert. Uh, as if that was a truly free. Uh, <clears throat> God's greatest aim is always his own glory. God's purpose for his people on earth. Are for the enhancement of his kingdom. God provided a way for Moses to escape his punishment in Egypt so that Moses could eventually lead an entire nation of people out of Egypt in order to worship God. But God, uh, excuse me, but Moses balked at the bush. So now we are introduced introduced to the uh, this name of God, Yahweh, or as some say, Jehovah. Moses was fearful and afraid of God's request. So he counters with a question of his own. It's almost like Moses is saying, okay, God, you want me to go down and tell Pharaoh that he's supposed to let your people go. I get that, but uh, sure, when I do, the people are going to start asking me a lot of questions, like who died and made you boss? But Moses was likely more concerned about what Pharaoh and the Egyptians might do. Uh, he was concerned about how the Hebrew people would respond and and what they might specifically do. He uh, we see in uh, verse 13 of chapter 3 of Exodus, Moses came out straight with his concern. It says Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Then the next verse we are told of God's answer. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent you. This name is especially important. And not just because of the number of times uh, that it's used in scripture. Yahweh, I am, or I am who I am, is important because God himself is telling Moses, and essentially his chosen people of Israel, and eventually us, that this is who he is. This is his name, his holy and righteous name. In fact, this name was considered uh, so sacred uh, by the Hebrew scribes that copied uh, the Hebrew uh, Bible, they silently read over this name without pronouncing it, not even speaking it, for fear of breaking the prohibition against taking the Lord's name uh, in vain. Uh, This tradition uh, continues to this day uh, in the Jewish culture. This self-revealing name of God consists of four Hebrew consonants, forms what is called the uh, te- tetragamaton, the four sacred, the four sacred letters. Now, they are the Hebrew letters Yod for the English Y, He for the H, Vav for the W, and another He for H. Combined, they are together Y H W H. Again, all four letters are consonants. As time passed, uh, rather than skip over pronouncing uh, the sacred name, the uh, Tetragrammaton, uh, as found in the Hebrew bow- Bible, the vowels found in God's name Adonai, my Lord, uh, also meaning sovereign, meaning sovereign one or master. Uh, with only the L of Lord being capitalized, if it's to reflect uh, uh, God uh, being capitalized, these vowels were inserted uh, into the Tetragrammaton to remind the reader to pronounce Adonai instead of the sacred uh, uh, name, and thus not taking that chance of taking the God, God's name uh, in vain. Then centuries later, reportedly a, a Christian scribe in the Middle Ages understood this uh, convention and transcribed the combination of the Tetragrammaton and the Adonai vowels into Latin. This then became Jehovah. Uh, as if Jehovah uh, was uh, the this name of God. Uh, soon this uh, morphed form uh, then uh, entered usage as Yahweh in several English translations of the Bible I think it's a good time uh, to point out now that uh, in the English translation uh, of, the, of scripture when we see the Lord, Lord in all capital letters this, re- this refers to the name Yahweh uh, this distinguishes it from the other instances of the word Lord in Scripture when it refers to the name Adonai, again meaning Sovereign One or Master. And also, uh, this form of Lord, uh, when it is, has no capital letters, it just refers uh, to either a Master or Lord owning land uh, or just a God, God in general. Uh, a noted uh, Jewish scholar of the Middle Ages uh, said regarding the name Yahweh and he stated that uh, this uh, he stated this using the name Jehovah but I will insert take the liberty to insert uh, the name Yahweh he said all the names of God that occur in scripture are derived from this his works except one and that is Yahweh And this is called the plain name because it teaches plainly and unequivocally of the substance of God. Another uh, scholar said, in the name Yahweh, the personality of the supreme is distinctly expressed. It is everywhere a proper name denoting the person of God and him only as supreme. The Hebrew may say the Elohim the true God in opposition to all false gods, but he never says the Yahweh or Yahweh uh, is the for Yahweh is the true name of God only. He says again and again, my God, my Elohim, but he never says my Yahweh. He speaks of God Elohim of Israel, but never of the Yahweh of Israel for there is no other Yahweh. With all this Yod and Hay and Nav and Hay and Tetra Gamaton and Adonai and Jehovah and Yahweh, uh, if that isn't muddled things a little more, uh, you can turn uh, and look at verse uh, 14. Uh, The Lord declares himself here, uh, and he proclaims his name quite simply, but yet there may be some uh, abstract and complexity uh, here. Uh, he says it very naturally uh, and very plainly, I am who I am. Uh, for some uh, would come to expound from a human's perspective, God saying, I am the existing one. I am uh, comes from the Hebrew uh, root word, Uh, meaning to exist, or to be, uh, or become, or come into being, to happen. Uh, And in this sense, it is always used uh, in the emphatic manner. Uh, Yahweh uh, comes then to mean the existing one. And God as Yahweh uh, is a self-existing being. Uh, And here's why we as earthly uh, creatures may become a little more perplexed. You see, God uh, doesn't just exist, but he rather uh, exists in himself. Uh, In other words, think of it this way. Nothing outside of God contributed to his existence. There was nothing but God. So nothing but God himself contributed to him in the past, uh, nor will contribute, uh, nor contributes to him uh, in the present, and nothing other than himself will contribute to his being uh, in the future. Uh, he declares his name: "I am who I am." So, yes, it's a bit perplexing. Uh, and then looking back again at our text, when God formally introduces himself. Uh, to his people uh, by way of Moses. In essence, he's telling Moses, tell them that the one who sent you doesn't have to go out hide himself or be himself, to to be himself, for he is complete in himself. Uh, Tell them, I am who I am. Uh, In other words, God is saying he is the only truly independent being in the universe. <clears throat> he is the only being who is self-existing. Uh, he is self-generating. Uh, he perpetuates himself through all eternity. He was himself before the beginning of time. The scripture begins with, "In the Goding, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth." God already existed in the beginning, uh, thus self-existing. Uh, might I ask? Uh, if anyone needs a few more moments to consider this further, uh, it is complex it, it is uh, perplexing for us uh, to comprehend. The self-existence of God as Yahweh includes his self-sufficiency. Uh, his self-sufficiency reminds us that he is the great eternal one. Uh, he is independent. he needs only himself uh, to... Exist in uh, the dimension where He lives. He is everlasting. Uh, He is who He is. He is who He was. And He is who He will be. He is the great I Am. And speaking of what I just said, He is who He was. And He is who He will be. You know, here's another thought to uh, grapple with. Does Yahweh ever step out of what we consider the present? At least from our perspective. Or even out of the present of his dimension. We are assuredly told he is I am. He is not always, so he is not always now. So is he not always now? He is always I am. His name is Yahweh this is clear from scripture uh, so he is not uh, so uh, he's not always uh, isn't he then always in the present it almost seems like i'm uh, getting that eccentric headache that uh, i developed uh, a few uh, weeks ago uh, when i gave the message about creation and elohim uh, and then just thinking about nothing it's really hard to think about nothing there's always something there uh, anyway, let's go back to the burning bush. Uh, when God made uh, this revelation, He used the name Yahweh. Uh, he is the God of revelation to creatures who can uh, appreciate uh, the uh, infinite, the creatures that can appreciate Him as the self existent one. You know, God said to Moses, and I will insert the applicable, applicable Hebrew names. Say this to the people of Israel. The Lord Yahweh, the God Elohim of your fathers, the God Elohim of Abraham, and the God Elohim of Isaac, and the God Elohim of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations." Uh, Exodus uh, chapter six, verses two uh, through four. And again, I'll insert uh, the names uh, Yahweh. they would uh, say, "I am Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But my name, Yahweh. But by my name, Yahweh, I did not make, make myself known to them." I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. So therefore say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the I am Yahweh, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them. and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. These passages suggest to me three things. First, that uh, though the name Yahweh was used uh, as the title uh, of the God Elohim uh, of the patriarchs, its full significance was not revealed to them. Second, the name Yahweh was now revealed in connection with God's covenant and promise uh, to a people. And third, that now after some hundreds of years, the true significance of the name Yahweh was to be unfolded by the manifestation of God as a personal living being fulfilling fulfilling to the people of Israel the promises made to their fathers. Here then, the ever-living God Yahweh reveals himself to his covenant people as the unchanging God who remains faithful to, the word, to his word throughout many generations. God's personal existence, the continuity of his dealings with man, the unchangeableness of his promises, and the whole rel- revelation of his redeeming mercy all gather around the name Yahweh. So Elohim is a general name of God concerned with the creation and preservation of the world that, uh, in his work, uh, that, that is, uh, his works. As Yahweh, he is God of revelation uh, in the expression of himself in his essential moral and spiritual attributes. But as Yahweh, he is especially the God of revelation to Israel, He is the forever becoming One, the One appearing for man's redemption, and the permanent and unchangeable One. For as we see in Malachi uh, chapter three, verse six, I Yahweh do not change. And in Hebrews thirteen, verse seven, as uh, where Christ uh, Jesus, speaking as the God, Godhead, uh, says that He is. The same yesterday and today and forever. And these revelations of God himself, it is never quoted that this is what God says, meaning Elohim in that tense, or some other title name of God. But rather always, this is what the Lord says with all capital letters, Lord. This is what Yahweh says. Thus says the Lord, Yahweh. So with Yahweh as a God of moral and spiritual uh, attributes, uh, one could perhaps uh, assume uh, that the God Elohim as the almighty um, omnipotent one uh, who created this vast and amazing universe and who uh, without the Godhead covenanted to preserve it, that he, Elohim, uh, possesses some of these uh, attributes that we see in Yahweh. Now, I venture to say, you know, maybe a little, but not much. Uh, the use of the title uh, name Yahweh clearly uh, reveals uh, his character as, as, uh, and shows uh, his love towards all creation and creatures as the work of his hands. But the name Yahweh reveals his love uh, as uh, conditioned upon his moral and spiritual uh, attributes. In this uh, connection we see the special account of God's relationship of Yahweh's relationship to man as distinct from the lower creation. God as Yahweh now comes in communion with the one whom he made in his image. And so the God Elohim it becomes further characterized as uh, the relationship God, Yahweh, it is Yahweh that God places man under moral obligations, with a warning of punishment for disobedience. Thou shalt and thou shalt not. <clears throat> the first account of this uh, we find in Genesis, uh, right after uh, creating man. Uh, but of the tree of, uh, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. It's significant that when Satan tempted Eve uh, to this disobedience, he did not mention the name Yahweh, but rather only Elohim. Uh, Nor uh, does uh, Eve mention Yahweh in her reply. Uh, Is it uh, merely because the name Yahweh uh, is not known to them, or is it rather a deliberate pretext of Satan's uh, part to uh, Satan, on Satan's part to deceive uh, for now uh, ponder this can one do evil and mention the holy righteous name Yahweh at the same time and Satan's goal was to induce Eve and subsequently man to abandon the name Yahweh from their association with God Satan certainly did not mind if they called God Elohim, the great powerful creator. For such a God could not be a distant being could, for such a God could be a distant being uh, somewhere uh, out there without a relational uh, attribute per se. When Yahweh is brought into the conversation God is a personal interactive being who designed made, purposed and <clears throat> and Knows and interacts with both Adam and Eve. Satan was okay with Eve acknowledging Elohim, but just didn't want her to have a personal relationship under the authority of Yahweh. To ancient Israel, righteousness and holiness were two great attributes associated with the name Yahweh. You know, remember. You know, the name was so holy and sacred that they feared to pronounce it uh, <clears throat> that they may uh, suffer uh, the penalty of death uh, in Leviticus in, in chapter 24 verse 16 reads whoever blasphemies the name of Yahweh shall surely be put to death Yahweh is righteous uh, Psalm 11 tells us he loves righteousness uh, the book of Daniel chapter 9 uh, states that Yahweh is righteous in all of his works. And there are so many more passages declaring the same. The holiness of Yahweh is magnified uh, throughout the Old Testament. Uh, Leviticus 19, chapter 2, tells us that his, his first requirement of those who should be his witnesses is to be holy because I, Yahweh, your God, Elohim, am holy. And we see in Isaiah and the revelation of John that holy, holy, holy is Yahweh and that this is His glory. Yahweh is ever the Holy One over and over and over. It is this righteousness and holiness of Yahweh against which man sins. And and a righteous Yahweh whose holiness uh, is violated Uh, He becomes outraged. He must condemn unrighteousness and punish it. So it is Yahweh uh, who pronounces judgment and admits out the sentence. Uh, It is Yahweh who banishes man forth from the garden. We are told in uh, Habakkuk, uh, the first chapter, uh, that Yahweh is of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look at wrong. Yahweh created man to enjoy and exhibit his righteousness. So he demands the righteousness and holiness from creatures made in his image. He demands justice for transgressions. It is Yahweh that is angered so often again and again against a sinful and wicked Israel. It is Yahweh that in Exodus 32, verse 33, that he says to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. It is Yahweh that God looks upon a wicked and corrupt earth and says, I will destroy. I asked, Am I being too pessimistic? Uh, Then I answered, No, just a realist, because there is still good news. For in Yahweh is also love. He has love for his people. And his love is so great that it makes him grieve and suffer for the sins and sorrows of his creatures. Jeremiah 31, verse 3, uh, Yahweh says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. In Judges chapter 10, verse 16, we read, He was grieved for the misery of Israel. And in Isaiah 63, 9, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. So while Yahweh, uh, as, so while as Yahweh his uh, holiness must condemn, uh, he is also love, and his love redeems. Yahweh seeks to bring man back into fellowship with himself. He comes seeking Adam and Eve after their sin. Uh, he longs for reconciliation. And so he teaches man how to approach him anew by means of sacrifice by means of substitution. At the close of uh, chapter 4 of Genesis, uh, that uh, chapter of tragedy for uh, Adam and Eve with the death of Abel and the casting out of Cain, there a new son is born uh, to them named Seth, meaning the appointed, or a substitute for Cain and Abel. And then a son was born to Seth named Enos, Uh, which is a word for a despaired man in a weak, fallen state. It signifies uh, helplessness. Uh, Then we are told in verse 26, at that same time, people began to call upon the name of, of Yahweh. Weak, helpless man finds he needs more than the mighty, omnipotent, transcendent being signified by the name Elohim. He needs the favor and fellowship with the divine being for which he was made. He needs Yahweh. It is the attribute of love in Yahweh that restores man to communion with himself, man who has sinned against his righteousness and holiness. Anglican uh, commenter Robert uh, Griddlestone said, From the earliest days the name Yahweh was taken as the embodiment of hope, of the that hope for the human race, which found expression in sacrifice and in prayer. So the love of Yahweh does not forsake fallen man. His spirit continues to strive with man in a period of utter corruption. It is Yahweh that God manifests Himself in covenants and acts of deliverance and redemption. To the children of Israel, in their cruel and groveling bondage, we see God say, I am Yahweh, and I will bring you out. God is always Yahweh to Israel because of his great redemption and deliverance. Uh, he is in a, a near constant communication uh, with Moses. Uh, in Exodus 33, we see that uh, his, that in his glory... Yahweh descends upon the tabernacle like a cloud and speaks face to face with Moses as, as a man speaks to a friend. Then the next chapter, Scripture tells us again he descended in a cloud and it uh, reads, Yahweh passed before him, meaning Moses, and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love to thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. What an amazing passage. Uh, In Zechariah 13, we read uh, of a day of redemption Uh, in grace yet to come when Yahweh says they will call upon my name and I will answer them I will say they are my people and they will say Yahweh is our God or my God it is Yahweh who says in, in Isaiah chapter 45 that he is a righteous God and Savior there is none beside me turn to me and be saved all you ends of the earth for i am god there is no other so in yahweh alone are the righteousness and strength it is said uh, that all who raged against him will come to him psalm 86 states blessed are the people who know the the festal shout who walk O yahweh in the light of your face Who exalt in your name all the day and in your righteousness are exalted, for you are the glory of their strength. So God wants us, uh, wants to reveal to us things that we have never dreamed of. Uh, He wants us to experience his vision and his plan for us. But that won't uh, come if we simply know him as Elohim. If we only want to know his power and majesty without having a relationship with his person, then we will not have that awareness. The awareness will come about only when we know him as Yahweh, the self-existent, the self-revealing, the everlasting, the covenantal God having mercy upon his people. To know God's names, to really know them, is to experience uh, His true nature. And God reserves uh, that level of intimacy uh, with Him to those who humbly uh, depend on Him as their Redeemer. God will not share His glory with another. We must humble ourselves if we really want to know Him. And just for this reason uh, alone, uh, if no other, As believers, we should hunger to understand the significance of the names of God. His name, no matter the context, no matter the letters, no matter the literal Hebrew or little Greek translation, no matter anything, His name is great and He is worthy of our praise. Like an earthly father, our Father God in heaven, our Yahweh, the great I Am, the self-existing one. Uh, He must rejoice when his people praise him by the use of his name. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we are so thankful uh, for your holy uh, and infallible word. Uh, How blessed we are that through your word, uh, the holy scriptures, uh, you have given us Uh, your names uh, in ways that can help us uh, grasp uh, um, a a measure of your wondrous being, uh, no matter how small a measure that may be. Uh, Father, your names allow us to uh, seize upon some understanding of your great nature and realize at least a portion of your power and your dominion and your most astounding uh, glory Lord God without your word and thus without your names we could not come to know you as we should uh, and to know you as Yahweh uh, the relational God the one that has uh, blessed us uh, with an everlasting covenant uh, of redemption uh, what a great blessing uh, it is to know uh, you truly love your people Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Thank you, I am the self-existent one. Thank you, Yahweh. We pray this in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.